I'm Matt Lenahan, and this is the Koinonia 21C podcast, a weekly exploration of the way of life or the way of the spirit in the Jesus community. We'll make connections that make a community and talk about things that matter the most to us. This is a walking podcast meant to be listened to while you're on a walk or a hike, preferably on a trail or a path that connects your senses to the natural world. I've been leading a faith community whose primary gathering place is a local rail trail. I spent a lot of time on that trail and it has become for me a place of spiritual reflection and growth. The spirit life in the Jesus community is a journey that involves movement, both internal and external. There is stillness and action, rest and work. There's a sacred rhythm to which we can walk that is part of creation itself. So we will be exploring the gifts of creation, an ecological perspective of the Bible, the global climate crisis and its implications, and more importantly, what we can do as people of faith and hope to change directions and change the world. This podcast is for practitioners, doers, action heroes who want to live their lives meaningfully, intentionally, and with joy in their hearts. Think of our time together as reflection and action for learning practitioners. We're all, in a sense, interns, not experts, with our own stories, our own needs, and our own gifts to share. I want this podcast to encourage you to explore more deeply who you are, and what you are uniquely called to do with your life. So first, as part of our introduction time together, I should tell you a little bit about myself. So I'm a Lutheran pastor with over 20 years of ministry experience, both in urban and small town settings. I'm a husband and a dad of three amazing sons. My wife is a hardworking and super creative public school teacher, supporting students who are identified as academically gifted students. She's taught me a lot about what it means to be gifted, the obstacles we all face in discovering and sharing our gifts with the world and what kind of support people need to be successful. She cultivates wonder and curiosity and courage in her students, something I hope to do with you in this podcast as well. One of my uh, works and passions as a pastor and leader uh, in my community is that I'm the director of the Whittle Farm Growing Project project in a small uh, rural setting on a farm, an 85-acre farm, not far from where I live. And our work together there is to bring volunteers to the farm of all ages to plant and grow and share fresh fruits and vegetables with our food insecure neighbors. Over the last five years, we've uh, grown a variety of fruit and vegetable crops, and uh, we have worked with 
over a dozen food pantries and food distribution ministries in Lancaster County to uh, provide over 85,000 pounds of fresh fruits and vegetables to our neighbors in need. I'm passionate about food and where it comes from and uh, how it's grown and and how we are called as people to uh, work collectively together to uh, make a sustainable community and a sustainable world. We're living through an interesting time in human history. We have so much power through the gifts of science and technology. Inventions that were science fiction 50 years ago are held in our hands today. And yet so many of us feel powerless in the face of massive social problems that our consumer habits and wealth have largely caused. Climate change is threatening life on this planet in ways we couldn't imagine in ways we don't see every day, and in ways we already feel but fail to connect to the climate crisis. We are told in no uncertain terms by the vast majority of the scientific community that we have exceeded our limits, that we are endangering our own existence, and that a failure to act collectively and globally right now will have dire lasting consequences. Some say that global soil depletion means that the planet has about 100 harvests left. At the rate of biospecies loss among pollinator species like honeybees, it could be less than that. No insects, no food. No soil, no food. Some people of faith deny that we have the power to destroy life on earth, that God the Creator would not allow such a thing. This is neither true nor biblical. And as people of faith whose understanding of God is revealed through the Bible, we have to read and interpret it faithfully. Like it or not, the good book is relevant to our current circumstances, including the big threats, and may even show us the way out. Not an evacuation plan to some heavenly destination, but a restoration and renewal plan that will reorient us to ourselves and our rightful place in this interconnected world. We are called to be responsible caretakers of what God has made and entrusted to us. So how can we do that given the challenges we face? We have the capacity to be connected to so many people all over the world, and yet we feel more divided and disconnected. Is social media our friend or our enemy? In the midst of this global pandemic, we have learned how fragile and vulnerable we all are. A microscopic, invisible virus stopped life as we knew it a year ago. We have experienced collective loss and grief and disappointment and fear. Most of us have described 2020 as a ginormous dumpster fire. 
And we haven't always been our best selves this past year either. Personally, I haven't seen my parents who live five hours away in central New York in over a year. I'm grateful for technology like Zoom and Google Meets and Google Duos that have allowed us to have sort of FaceTime together during uh, this long time apart. But it is not the same thing. I'd say there have probably been more lows than highs in the last year. And friendships and contacts and support systems have been exposed too. You know now who will and won't show up for you. As we emerge from the pandemic, we're going to need to reconnect, to relearn each other, to rebuild the relationships that were broken or lost. We're going to have to pick up some pieces and figure out what to do next. How can you and I show up again with courage and with hope and with energy and inspiration to be the person God made you and me to be? I listen pretty regularly now to Brene Brown's Dare to Lead podcast. If you haven't done that and read her book, Daring Greatly, I recommend that you do. She is a person of faith and an academic researcher and someone I admire as a teacher and a learner. Brene says, Vulnerability is the birthplace of creativity, innovation, and change. If we are going to change the world, it starts with changing ourselves, with recognizing our vulnerability, our failures, our weaknesses. And that requires self-reflection and examination and gentle critique. We need to have a conversation with ourselves. As they say in community organizing, the first revolution is internal. We need to cultivate interior habits that will transform us and our minds and our souls and even our bodies. So we will also share and practice spiritual habits to shape our inner lives. We call this contemplation. So each podcast, I will offer up a contemplative practice to try on for the week. Those practices will mostly come from the Christian tradition, which offers a deep well from mysticism to meditation. I'm a regular reader of Father Richard Rohr, Brian McLaren, the poet Mary Oliver, Belden Lane, and many other spiritual writers throughout the ages. But I'll also confess to you, I'll admit, that I'm not very good at practicing spiritual habits in a disciplined daily or even weekly way. I know that I need the accountability and support of a community of others to walk alongside me, to encourage me, to remind me, and even sometimes to tell the truth to me when I need to hear it. So we will listen to these other spiritual writers' voices during this podcast too, as wisdom guides on our journey.
for me, life is about learning. We are learning every single day. There's something to learn, something you ought to know and experience, see and touch and taste and feel and enjoy, question and wonder about. I hope to let you in on the things that I'm learning. Learning is not just about increasing knowledge, it's about gaining insight and wisdom, a deeper sense of knowing what is real and true and good. Learning involves questioning and observing, slowing down, sitting, listening, watching, waiting. There's a story in the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament in which Jesus and his disciples, his cohort of learning practitioners, are welcomed into the home of two sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary takes a seat at Jesus' feet and listens to him while Martha busies herself with the household tasks of hospitality, preparing a meal or whatever. She becomes frustrated and finally says to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work myself? Tell her to help me. But Jesus responds, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, Jesus and his followers have been actively engaged in a mission to share good news in several villages, traveling door to door, house to house, neighborhood to neighborhood, to engage and connect people to the good news of what God is doing to make the world. And he has just told a story about a good Samaritan, an unlikely hero who rescues a man who was assaulted and robbed on a dangerous road. It's probably the most familiar story in the New Testament. That story is all action as the Samaritan applies first aid and transports the man to safety and pays for his recovery and rehab, promising to return to check on him. There were two other religious leaders, Jesus said, who avoided the wounded man and went on their way to perform their religious duties in the temple. So Jesus is about taking action action that shows mercy and relief to those who are suffering action that is unselfish that is selfless putting the other's needs before our own action that is able to see the needs of someone else and respond with kindness and with relief but Jesus is also about sitting and listening and resting and focusing on relationship. Action and contemplation. Public works of service. Personal connections and strengthening relationships. In a world where we are distracted and worried about many things. Where we have obligations and duties to perform we also have to take time to notice, to see and hear, to be seen and heard. It is what makes us human. Empathy and acts of care. This week, our first week together, I invite you to listen to the story again as I read it and 
Find a word, one word, that is highlighted for you in your mind. I invite you to repeat that word in your mind. Maybe write it down and put it in a prominent place this week. Carry it with you or put it on your computer. And return to it every day this week. Give it some attention. What does it mean to you? What is it asking of you? What insight is this word revealing? What need is this word addressing for you? What is it teaching you about yourself or about others or the world around you? So listen again to the story. This is in the Gospel of Luke, the 10th chapter, beginning at the 38th verse. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Next week, we will consider the power of wilderness in our quest to be human. For Christians, next Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of the 40-day season of Lent, a season of preparation for the celebration of the Feast of Easter. This is the time of year, the part of uh, the Christian life in which we contemplate together death and life, life and death. So I invite you to return next week where we'll enter the wilderness and talk about what it means in our quest to be human. Thanks for listening. In your breathing, in your rising, in your walking, in your speaking, in your listening, in your working, in your playing, in your serving in your sleeping, in your dreaming, in your coming and in your going. May the breath and love of God fill you, body and soul.
This podcast was made using the Anchor Podcast app, a super easy way to assemble your own podcast and share it out on all the social media venues like Spotify where you listen to your podcasts. I'm Matt Lenahan, and this is the Koinonia 21C Podcast. I invite you to listen while walking or hiking in a natural setting that you enjoy. A place that connects you with creation and the creator of life. This week we're going to pay attention to sacred rhythms. The rhythms of rest and work, of worship and prayer, of activity and stillness. We're going to talk about the gift of Sabbath, that biblical rhythm found in the Ten Commandments, both in Exodus and in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, why Sabbath is is as important now as it ever was, and how to live a Sabbath day every week. And I confess that I am really bad at observing, maintaining and sustaining healthy spiritual habits or sacred rhythms in my own life. I know what to do, but I just don't do it. I want to cultivate daily and weekly spiritual habits because they are important to well-being, to my vocational identity as a spiritual leader and a pastor, and to my public leadership in matters of social justice. But I fail over and over again. Almost every day and every week. I know that I want to sit down and do some spiritual reading, maybe read something from the Bible or a spiritual writer. I want to spend time in meditation or prayer, but I can't seem to fall into a regular habit or rhythm. It's partly why I'm doing this podcast, which in and of itself is challenging for me. I am somebody who is easily distracted and has a hard time establishing a schedule or a calendar. So, making sure that I complete a podcast every week, a meaningful podcast, meaningful to me, but I think more importantly, meaningful for my listeners whoever you might be, is really hard for me. It's part of, I think, my own spiritual learning at this point in my life. I suspect that most of us live out some natural rhythms and that we fall into bad habits and arrhythmic patterns as well. I mean, there are some rhythms that seem so natural and obvious that we don't even think of them as such. The rhythm of night and day, for example, hours of sleep and hours of wakefulness. There are mealtime rhythms and weekly rhythms that include work or school days and days off, weekends for recreation or for accomplishing all the household stuff you can't do during a work week, cleaning, going to the grocery store, you know the drill. There are seasonal rhythms governed by the lengthening or shortening of days. There are special days, holidays, vacation time. Maybe there's a fixed annual vacation you look forward to every year, going to a special place, for example, with your family. But I also wager that you struggle to maintain a healthy rhythm in your life. We live in this 24-7, 365 culture 
that is always on, always running, always moving, always expecting us to produce and consume, always demanding something from you, from your time, your money, from your hearts and your minds and your bodies. I suspect that uh, there are times when you feel like you don't, you can't control your daily and weekly life. There are disruptions and distractions and interruptions that make it difficult to pause, reflect, spend a moment perhaps in silence or in some form of meditation to sort of recenter yourself to remember who you are as as a human being as a child of the creator the living god i also know that it is in some ways a privilege in our social situation in life uh, to to take time to take time for uh, a Sabbath or a rest day or uh, or even a moment in your day to to breathe. There's some privilege that is now sort of attached to that. I'm also keenly aware that for many of us, uh, even considering a, a kind of regular routine or rhythm to your uh, to your life is hard. I can't imagine, for example, what it must be like to to be a a shift worker whose shifts are constantly rotating. A neighbor down the street is a a state trooper. And I remember um, that uh, for many years, uh, the shift that he was working on patrol changed every few weeks. He would go from an overnight shift to a morning shift to a daytime shift and back to an overnight shift. And it was really hard. For him, physically and, and mentally, and I think for his family, too. And I know there are uh, countless others, shift workers, who are working in hospitals, nursing staff, other staff, doctors, uh, and certainly many other people in our community, and maybe you're one of them, whose work it demands uh, that you don't really have a kind of rhythm to your daily and weekly life because it changes so often. Maybe your, quote, day off changes every week. Uh, And maybe you're not even sure of what your schedule will be two or three weeks from now. That's exactly uh, why we need to think about this and consider ways that we can embrace the gift and call to Sabbath living. One of the sacred rhythms that have directed human communities for thousands of years, lost to most of us now, are the seasonal agricultural rhythms associated with tilling and planting, tending and harvesting crops. I grew up on a farm in central New York and know those rhythms pretty well. I've recently returned to those rhythms in the last five years as the director of a farming ministry called the Whittle Farm Growing Project. 
where I direct volunteers to plant and grow and share food to donate to food relief in Lancaster County. We are learning together to care for the land, to farm it sustainably, and to become food producers and to share the harvest with our neighbors. The rhythm of farm life is a sacred rhythm for me. One that I think all people need to experience somehow but a rhythm that I think is becoming harder and farther away for more and more of us. I just returned from a huge gift of time, a 14-week sabbatical, in which I largely stepped out of the regular rhythm of full-time work to rest and refocus. I spent time working on my doctoral thesis, so there was some work going on, but I was it was not the same as the daily grind. This is my 20th year in full-time ministry, and I knew that if I was going to continue serving for 20 more, I needed a real break. It was, for me, sort of like my vocational or professional midlife crisis. And it was real. I mean, I knew that I was sort of wiped out. I was burned out. I was tired. I was weary. I was depressed. Uh, I was um, nostalgic in kind of not-so-good ways. Um, and I knew that the way I was feeling about people, uh, the way I was feeling about my work, the way I was feeling about the last 15 years, um, really demanded that I, that I take a real break. Um, I, for me, there was grief unprocessed grief that had become part of of my um, my work uh, and I was sort of pushing through that unprocessed grief um, Father Richard Rohr says pain that is not uh, transformed is transmitted what he means by that is when we are holding in pain or grief and we're not allowing a transformation to take place in our lives that can free us from it um, and change us, then we transmit it, meaning that we, we push it onto others. And that's where I was at. So I knew that I needed a real rest, a real ceasing from the daily grind, the weekly grind. And I'm grateful that uh, I'm in a privileged situation, and I know that I am, uh, that uh, I walk with and work with the people who were able to see what I needed and to, and to give that to me. Um, so I have a lot of gratitude for, for that. I'm also keenly aware that so many others do not have that kind of privilege but deserve it. We all deserve to cease and desist for a time, a week, a month, a season, in order to come back to our senses, to, to experience something about life that is refreshing, uh, that recreates, that restores, that renews, that revitalizes and rejuvenates. Uh, 
There's no chemical. There's no. Um, there's nothing you can consume that you can purchase or buy. There's no technology that can give that to you. What you need is the gift of time. And so how? How do we how do we do this? How do we how do we live into a sacred rhythm, a holy rest? Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, meaning to cease. And the concept or idea, the spiritual rhythm of Sabbath is embedded in the Hebrew Bible and in the Jewish community's life together. In Exodus chapter 20, the first location of the Ten Commandments. The third commandment is the Sabbath day commandment, and it says this, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. In Exodus, the Sabbath command has to do with creation itself and with the Creator God. God rested, according to Genesis chapter 1. Not that God stopped being God, but God imposed a limit to the use of power so that creation might not expend itself. If everything on earth gets used up, life cannot be sustained. Limited consumption limited use, limited activity, limited work, all for the purpose of sustaining life. If we turn to the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book in the Hebrew Bible, we hear again the Ten Commandments listed in chapter 5. And again, the Sabbath command. But listen for the differences. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your towns so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. In Deuteronomy, the people are reminded 
that Sabbath includes all people, includes slaves and working animals, because they themselves were once enslaved in Egypt and God liberated them. Sabbath in Deuteronomy is an act of liberation, an act of justice that sets right conditions of inequity and economic bondage and hardship. Deuteronomy and Leviticus extend Sabbath from a weekly observance to a calendar of Sabbaths and even a jubilee year every 50th year that actually forgives debts, frees people from slavery and servitude, and basically gives all people a chance to live free from the effects of poverty caused by systemic long-term injustices. Not that this has ever been enacted, but imagine if all debts were canceled every 50 years. This is an early form of reparations that could and should be enacted in American life to address the four centuries of racist disparities that have prevented blacks, indigenous, and people of color from achieving broad economic progress. 200 years of slavery put the black community far behind, and they are still behind and have not caught up. 20, the 2020 Urban Institute report says that the median income for black households is $38,183 and for white households is $61,363. White homeownership is 72%. Black homeownership is 42%. The 30% gap is larger now than it was when race-based housing discrimination was legal. This is not right. And it is only one measure of the wealth gap between whites and black Americans. We need a sabbatical that erases these disparities because human dignity, equality, and liberty demand it. Now, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus both observes the Sabbath and somehow causes controversy by breaking some Sabbath limits and rules. He heals on the Sabbath and his healing practice on the Sabbath is questioned and condemned by some other religious leaders to which Jesus refers to Deuteronomy's version of the Leviticus or the Sabbath command stating that Sabbath is made to liberate from hardship or harm. Jesus also picks grains on the Sabbath again to alleviate hunger. So for Jesus Sabbath is not only about resting from labor as a part of the uh, the rhythm of creation, basically the way Exodus understands Sabbath. But Jesus understands Sabbath within the context of Deuteronomy and liberation, within the context of creating a more just and equitable 
community. And this is the kind of Sabbath, the kind of sacred rhythm that we want to learn to live into.